Before we begin our show today, we wanted to let all of our listeners know we are now a Mixcloud Select program on Mixcloud.com. Thank you to our very first Mixcloud Select subscribers, listeners that include Klaus VZ, GJ Steves, Sam Cannon, Wellspring Wonder, and Barbara and Monty Cher. Thank you for subscribing. Our episodes will always be free to listen to, and if you're not a Mixcloud Select subscriber and you love the music as much as we do, for the cost of a few cheap 78s each month, you can download our episodes without any listening limitations, and part of your subscription supports our show directly and makes sure our musical artists and their estates are compensated fairly and legally. All right, let's put on a record. So you've never been awkward around your child? Oh, or sh- oh sure. embarrassed your child? Uh, a particular moment isn't jumping to mind, but... They're <laughs> good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened plenty of times. <laughs> this is Lou Gold and his orchestra singing Lucky in Love. Written by the team of De Silva, Brown, and Henderson. Ah. Big names. From what? What do you know them from? Songwriters. Yeah. That's awesome that you know those names. Sure. That's why you're, I have you here. <laughs> or you have me here. I don't know. Lucky in love. Lucky in love. What matters if you're lucky in love? Actually, there's a banjo, I think, right? It sounded like a uke. It might have been a banjo. Uh, it, sound, it was kind of, sounded more like a ukulele to me. I bet you're right. Chuck, 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 chuck. If that poker I'm queen, if I stand a high with a beautiful queen, I'll say I'm lucky in love. If you take me, that'll make me all so lucky in love. It's probably fallen out of the songbook. You, yeah, I do. <laughs> this was one of those pages you just kind of hit the floor. Yeah, this is the tune that you know you're using to walk across the dance floor to get another martini. Oh, I think <laughs> top hat tails. <laughs> it's yeah. the passing music. I guess so. I would be still the guy like trying to get the dance from the girl. And this is the one we would kind of awkwardly dance on the floor to. side was varsity drag is it geeky to say ah, the varsity drag that's played out <laughs> how many times do we have to listen to the varsity drag it's not very hotsy totsy anymore <laughs> oh my god it, I... no it's just it's funny it's just like <laughs> oh yeah sure varsity drag absolutely this is stories from the stylus i'm mark harley wilson and i'm tim peterson and we're going to be listening to 78s today tim has pulled three random records out of my record shelf and Thank you so much for just pulling records. It, it gives me a, a nice little boost of confidence that, you know, you're not going, oh, gosh, i got to pick through this garbage. Yeah, no picking at all. Blind, and, <laughs> a blind pull. <laughs> Tim pulled 10 records from his collection. We're sitting here in my living room. I've uh, cultiv- cultivated, that's a word, sure, three records out of those 10. 
I had a really hard time. There were a lot of records in year 10. I just didn't want to play. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> and it, and, and That's I, funny. I really wondered if you were testing me. You had a theme going on with those records. Yeah, Maybe. there was that. I did that on yeah, purpose. Yeah, I had a feeling. Okay. <laughs> it, it happened randomly with two. And then I was choosing some other things. I'm like, oh, that kind of fits in that thing. Oh, that kind of fits in that theme. And then it was just funny to me. That was, <laughs> we'll find out that theme. Hopefully I did do two of the three with the theme. I felt like I couldn't just discard it completely. So we're going to listen to those records. We're going to share what our thoughts are. And we've even done a little research so we can share with you, the listener, what these records are, when they were made, and uh, what we think about them. Excellent. Do you mind if I start? No, not at all. The first one that I wanted to start with is Willie Webb on Parrot Records, a song called He's a Wonder. Small print, it says spiritual. so glad you picked that record. Willie Webb. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you picked it. I'm glad you just reached into my 
record stack and pulled a record out. That's really all I'm saying. Because... <laughs> Or at least I'm glad that you reached at that particular precise location. Is the randomness working for you? Oh, I that love it. Was awesome. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm really excited about the three records I pulled. I didn't quite know what to expect from the record. It's on Parrot, which I believe did a bunch of blues records as well. Um, quick, uh, a, a brief examination seemed to say they did lots of gospel records, lots of spiritual records. But what I loved about that song was the joy. There's there's kind of there were two things going on in that song incredibly repetitive. Yeah. I could see where it would drive somebody up the freaking wall. Just, just like, he's a one, he's a one, he's a one, he's a one, he's a one. Like that was it, man. That was pretty much the song. It didn't really have parts A, B, and C. It was just part A again and again and again. And, you know, and I sat here with my eyes closed, really focusing on the song and I could not get what the background singers were saying. They, they sounded like little chipmunks and half the time it sounded like they were swearing, which I know is not happening in a gospel record. Yeah. But, it sounded like they were saying he's a wicked wonder. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they were saying. No, but, but even that's what I, I heard. It's like it morphed in your head after like the repetitiveness of it. It just began to change and morph almost Is a little it, bit. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, because yeah, I, I mean, also I've heard the record before, obviously, so it wasn't the first time for me. But yeah, it is. He's a wonder. He's a wonder. But yeah, it was the the when it was all said and done, it was the the joy and the enthusiasm, and you know, I am not a churchgoer. But there's so much good gospel music out yeah. there that just it 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 really moves me. Um, a, a little bit of research on Willie Webb was just eye opening. It was mm. really really cool. So Chicago gospel piano player, who that record was from 1953, and in 1940 he was a blues piano player, and he was in some sort of nightclub shootout where a couple people died, wow. a bunch of people went to jail, he kind of escaped with his life, and it was that come to Jesus moment. Yeah. And he said, I'm just, I'm going to sing songs for the Lord from now on, wow. all about the Lord. And he got into the Roberta Martin Singers, which are yeah. super famous early Chicago gospel group that came out of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Chicago, mm. which is where Thomas Dorsey uh, was from not Tommy Dorsey, oh. but but Thomas Dorsey, who's a, a an early blues uh, singer, but also uh, most famous for uh, his gospel gospel songs, gospel writing. Yeah, but it's cool to see this pedigree. I was just like Willie Webb. I don't know, 1950s probably going to be cool. Some guy, some guy. But he was, you know, had this great pedigree at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Chicago gospel history, and he also became uh, an accompanist for Mahalia Jackson, Albertina wow. Walker. Yeah. The Barrett sisters who ended up doing some great, like, funky 70s gospel as well. So really, yeah, just that's a, amazing. a cool guy. Yeah, I picked this record up at um, Electric Jungle. Uh, and I, I think this was, yeah, it was on the 78 night, I think oh, I yeah. was telling you about. And they they were, like, shoving certain records into my hands, like, here, take this, buy this. And did they play them for you? Did you? They could, yeah. And maybe a guy we could even have on the show sometime, Jivan yeah. Ivan, sure. um, who really got me into 78s uh, over at Logan Hardware, where, you know, he'd been working for years and now over at Electric Jungle, and he's um, had a long history as a DJ. I'm sitting here listening to this record with you, and, and so many things are popping through my head. I mean, really, like, popping. One is that joy. It's visceral, and it's just such excitement and passion and, and profound happiness. Also, there were two instruments, right, that were being played, an organ and a piano. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of unique in a way, going at the same time. Right. And 
I really then began connecting with the music I have told you about, about my father-in-law, who played, you know, in the band Rockin' Saints, Red Brown, um, piano and organ player. I mean, my God, wouldn't it be freaking amazing if, I mean, he's not playing on this record, but like that, like the organ music that I've heard him play, and I think, I don't know if I shared that story in the last few episodes that um, my wife and I were at the Art Institute, and we saw a little documentary being played, and I realized that the music that was being used in that documentary was played by my father-in-law at the Art Institute. And it's on organ, and it's this kind of like, it's a little gospel-y kind of like, dun, 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 you know, kind of like uh, pulse to it. Man, we used to jam everything. Get a little taste of wine, and we get the feeling good. Shoot dice, play cards, just having a whole lot of fun. So fantastic. And now I'm connecting with him in my brain and like the joy and the love I have for him. And it's like, you know, I'm sort of having a uh, come to red moment, basically, like, <laughs> you know, as I'm listening to that. You know, for me, uh, I, I've been trying to accumulate my collection of gospel records. Um, I'm Jewish. I think you know that. I do know that. There's certainly something in spiritual music. I know we've talked about klezmer a little bit. We haven't played any klezmer yeah, yet. I, I'm not Jewish, and boy, do I love klezmer records. And as a matter of fact, and I'm going to just throw this in the ring, I just happened to be listening to an episode of Sound Opinions. Mm-hmm. Greg Cott starts talking about gospel music, and he says, you know, people talk about the blues, people talk about country, you know, as the legs of rock and roll. He said the third leg is gospel music. Oh, yeah. Anything more that you want to share? Not at all. I'm curious to hear what you picked. All right, so let's move on to the next record.
Crazy Crazy by the Five Royals on Apollo. Uh, the Five Royals, are, of course, are playing with Charlie Little Jazz Ferguson and his orchestra record number 446. And that record was actually uh, recorded in March of 1953. I loved it. One of the more exciting things about that was listening on headphones. I rarely listen to music on headphones, and I had the Five Royale CDs for years and loved them, wore them out. So I got to hear all kinds of detail. Because one of the things that struck me about that that, that kind of R&B sound is that something along the lines of the, the coasters or you know some of the vocal groups that came before them, whether it's like the Hotter Mills Brothers and Cats and the Fiddle bands like that, they often just had a guitar player or maybe a small rhythm section, but that band was freaking hot behind the Five Royale. There was a lot going on there. The Barry Sax, another sax, the the house party that was happening. That was it. That was really distracting me. Like there's like there. In fact, there's some like talking at the opening, and there's some voices. And at first, I thought we were just picking something up in the room. It's a party, man. And then <laughs> you tried to trick me with this pick today. <laughs> I felt very boxed in. Do I reveal what the theme was that you pulled or do oh you please wanna, do yeah yeah so a lot of repetitive song names which honestly was really well thought out and really cool and maybe i was just jealous i didn't think of it myself it was actually random i pulled out you know one that had a repetitive name and then a second and i was like oh that's funny and then i saw a third and then i was like well i gotta include this just because oh absolutely so i'm going through them and i have to well, i hate to admit it but you know of those 10 there are many that i just didn't want to play and there were a few i didn't know and I was feeling confused and stuck, and so I grabbed this record, Crazy, 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 which I believe I have three, three, three copies of this record <laughs> um, because I kept buying it. Like I, I think I got it the first time, and it, uh, maybe I listened, and that was cool, and then I wanted to find more Five Royals, and then I walked home with another copy, and then I think eventually a third copy. Um, and I'm listening to the song, and, I, and I'm, and I'm kind of happy. I think it was also coming out of the gospel song, too, and yeah. I'm like oh, this is slower. And then suddenly they get to the instrumental part and everybody's going to town and those saxes are flying and the voices are going and and it really picked up and then they were back to crazy. You know, it was like, it was like somebody produced them and said, no, no, you can't go too wacky on the lyrics. But once they let go of the singing, then they just released. I'm not sure if that was a thing. I, I just don't know. I think I need to hear what? more so, by them. You don't like that record. Is that what I'm picking up right here? It's like, oh, gospel was awesome and we were flying and then we put this thing on and we went into molasses in slow motion. Oh, that's hilarious. It oh, felt like totally in the same camp to me. Oh, I just wanted to like take off the record for a while until they started livening it up and then, then the music was flying. Um, and I think, and I'll reveal this, I think we discovered that the uh, previous song 
um, was played at the wrong speed. Actually, slightly. We Maybe, played it at eighty, yeah. as opposed to seventy-eight. So we're not that far off. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to like tweak the speed and jump <laughs> up with it. So there you go. Next record, possibly. Next record. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Well, the lots of balls compelled the fish Best of dish I ever, ever had Now lots of balls and compelled the fish Makes you order up an extra dish Lots of balls compelled the fish Really, really, really very fine Now you put a little horseradish on it and make it very mellow Because it really knocks you right on out Slim Gaylord and his flat foot flugy boys, matzo balls, on Vocalion from 1939, Vocalion 5301. So how was that listening experience? That was not what I expected. <laughs> That's what that listening experience was. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Slim Gaylord pretty well. Yeah. And his whole shtick is, is uh, I won't say making fun of other cultures, but sort of <laughs> reveling in other cultures. That's How about that? To, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he would sing songs in a fake Chinese and fake right. French and fake German, fake African languages. He would yeah. just make up all this stuff and, and make up his own language. Uh, this kind of hipster, you know, jazz slang stuff. But the, I thought the matzo balls, A, I thought it was going to have some sort of, you know, klezmer bent, which the tune didn't have at all. Right. Um, and the the main refrain was, oh, you know, eh. the little, wait, what was that? Sorry. The, the refrain was a little yeah. bland. How is that? 
Um, it just, I don't know, wasn't, wasn't grabbing me. But the uh, once the instrumental uh, solos kicked in, things things picked up a little. They bit picked there. up. So when you say the refrain, what are you referring to in the song? Well, the 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 main tune, the matzo balls, the <laughs> filth, the fish, which is a little klezmer now that I say matzo balls. That's true. Um, but yeah, the sloppy jalopy uh, kind of uh, sax solo there that kind of kicked in was a little fun, and the piano was more on point after that. But yeah, it, once the band kicked in, it it lifted the uh, it lifted the the spirit of the song. So I have a question for you, since this came up a little bit earlier. Um, and actually, I, I want to say this before I forget to say it. I was literally talking about gefilte fish today <laughs> in a conversation, but I'll come back to that possibly. Have you eaten? Gefilte fish before. I have never had gefilte fish. How about matzo balls? Yes, I've had matzo balls. They're pretty bland. That's true. They're pretty. <laughs> so there you go. The song's appropriate to the food. They're both pretty bland. Um, yeah, I realize that I may have to, um, probably I'm going to get a lightning bolt through my head for saying it. Uh, we're going to be probably out of town for the first night uh, or second night of Passover, but I may have a good excuse to invite you. Have you been to a Passover Seder before? I have never been to a Seder. All right. Well, you're coming to our Passover Seder this year yeah. by hook or by crook. All right. Thank I will you. make something happen. Um, and it's very low-key and non-traditional, if you will. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's what you eat. It's Passover music right there. Matzo ball soup, gefilte fish. I usually have two or three helpings. Mm. It is because it's so bland. It's you got to so, really it's, load I don't up know, on it. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's a white fish. It's in the shape of a cake, uh, but not like a delicious cake. It's in the shape of like probably a urinal cake, but more <laughs> like, an, oh. like an oblong. Yeah, I think I'm busy actually. <laughs> And it's kind of like, in the color, you can't even describe it. It's not white, it's not beige, it's brownish. I don't know, maybe you better stop describing oh, it. Oh, wait, and it comes in a clear white jelly. Mm. So that, it's not a sweet, it's basically what they pack fish in. I don't know. I never eat the jelly part. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's all really bland and, and salty and a little fishy. And maybe that describes this song a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so are you glad are you are you not glad you pulled this record? Oh no, I'm very glad I pulled it. I mean I love yeah. Slim and Slam and Slam Stewart, Slim Gaylord. Their yeah. stuff's amazing. I mean, I was gonna say that he is um a master at the art of gibberish singing. Yeah. Right. Um and even in uh theater games, you know, that that uh I've played and uh, I could never do that. No. It just sounds. <laughs> it's kind of music, really. You're just finding a melody of the dialect of whatever you're making it up, or maybe it sounds like something. Um, it's interesting to me that you said that he was uh, maybe appropriating or making fun of different cultures. And it's funny because I love the stuff he does that's from like the Yiddish culture, mm -hmm. but I definitely, when I hear him doing like, I don't even want to do it. Like that's the thing, like a, a, of Asian descent, uh, you know, types of things. I do find myself cringing a little bit. Yeah. So much of this, I think, is um, pointing to the fact how things have changed. Sure. 1939. Yeah. Um, any other nice tidbits about this record or a group or song or anything? Uh, no. It sounds like we're ready for the next song. Let's do it. Yeah. 
record that we've played so far. This is a Columbia record from 19... Actually, when do you think? When do you think that was recorded? That's a good question. It had a kind of jazz age vibe. I, I want to say it was 20s and not teens. Eh. 1913. 13? Wow. Yeah. That when is I, really early. That's. It sounded... It didn't sound that early. Yeah, I would agree. In fact, when I saw that date, I uh, and all of our dates were trying to pull from the 78discography.com website. So it's a really awesome database. Um, that, of course, was Chick, 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 Chicken, sung by the one and only Ada Jones. She's actually um, among the earliest female singers uh, that were ever recorded. She actually started on Cylinder. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to say about yourself? Well, I actually started on Cylinder. <laughs> like, that's so nice. Thank you, Wikipedia, for telling me that she learned most of her songs by ear and lacked the ability to read music. She must have sang a billion songs. Yeah. I've seen so many Ada Brown records. Oh, absolutely. It's good, because that was Ada Jones. Oh. So you might be thinking of her cousin, maybe. I'm not sure. It could be. Ada you, Jones. You want, yeah. you want to do a take two or keep that in? <laughs> that's fine. She must have made a billion <laughs> records, Ada Jones. That's it, you Ada Jones, you. So I didn't understand it. There. Did you get it? 
No, what, what was Chicken referring to? You Wait, know, was it referring to the young ladies on Broadway? Was it referring to dancers and their feathers? Was it referring to the chickens that lay for you? I was like, hmm, the chickens that lay. I was wondering about that, too. Is there? I wasn't getting necessarily any kind of double entendre, but... Uh, yeah, was this something that... Uh, I just wonder if it was slang that we've, you know, has just gone by the wayside. It's I mean, got to be... Certainly still refer to gals as chicks. Right, I was going to say. But it's so enunciated even in the title. Um, and so, yeah, uh, they're going to lay their eggs for you. Um, at one point, the chickens say cock a doodle do That didn't make any sense to me at all. But then they talked about the roosters. Um, you know, it's like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> these songs I really... Enjoy, and I'm sure I picked this. I brought home this record for my wife. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the The reason being, she and her good friend Kevin have a real kind of obsession with uh, all things chicken related. Awesome. They give each other chicken gifts, and they refer to each other as chicken affectionately. Aww. And uh, yeah, so in, any song that has chicken in the title, I try to acquire. For, That's so sweet. Yeah, for Martha's I do, Chicken Collection. I do the same um, for my wife. Any redhead record I find. I usually will snap up if I can. Unless Something like, Smith and the Redheads. Absolutely, right? But yeah, you know, this was in there. You had it as a part of the repetitive name theme. That was lovely. Um, and I think that goes back to that thing I was saying about genre. Like, I can listen to a bunch of these early records, uh, a good handful, and then I'm done for a while. I can't really listen to them, you know, on repeat or again and again. I can come back to them after some time. They're fun. They're sweet. It's so naive. Um, and just kind of a little joy to listen to and, and really sort of hearing again, like the beginnings of music and like what was happening at the time. The other thing I was going to say too, is I have a feeling that people at that time, 1913, probably saw a lot of chickens, right? I mean, people kept chickens, they kept them in their yards. I mean, a lot of the, I think, so right? They were writing tunes people could relate to. Absolutely. You know, you go to a market to buy your fruits and vegetables. There were probably chickens walking around there, too. So it was just an everyday occurrence. I think our song today would be Pin, 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 Pigeon or Squa, 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 Squirrel. <laughs> so, I, you know, in, in keeping with the uh, the older vibe, I uh, I pulled a song from your collection. This was completely random again because yeah. I pulled everything randomly. The record we're going to listen to next is Henry Burr from 1920 on Paramount. It's Paramount 20011. And again, this was random, but I'm happy I pulled it because I'm, I'm curious to hear the song, Piccaninny Blues. Here we go. Oh! 
Okay. Not what I expected. No, not at all, huh? Yeah. It was bluesy. It was a ballad. It was a waltz. It was a waltz. Yeah, I guess it It was. It was a very sweet, very sentimental waltz, painting a very sweet picture of, you know, a mother trying to rock her child to sleep. Yeah. Picking any blues, I was expecting some pretty horrible stuff, I gotta say. And I've heard some pretty bad records from this, you know, from this time period. Um... Uh, you know, appropriating black culture and so on. And uh, yeah, just again, not what I was expecting. If anything, I would say listening to these songs and especially the title of this song, I start to wonder about a level of immaturity uh, of our nation, right? I can't be any kind of an expert on racism or anything else other than just speaking to my own experience. But it does make me wonder as these words were sort of batted around and obviously there was a degradation of a culture and a people at that time, and it wasn't thought twice about, I don't think. I mean, not to say that... Um, oh, it was obviously presented in a very sweet way. Oh, of course. Song. Well, that's it, you know. I Meaning that they didn't recognize how nasty it was. I'm going to ask, do you, I mean, you obviously have early records and other things. Does it, as a white male, does it bother you to say, have these records in your collection? This one is obviously from mine. Now, I know I have records like this, and it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I'll just come right out sure, and say it. Sure. The because I find them uh, fascinating artifacts in our yeah. cultural history. Yeah. You know, I I've I've found some other really kind of egregious, nasty records through time. Yeah. And held on to them only, be, yeah, for sort of historical perspective. Really. You know, there's a very much a belief or a view on life. You know, especially in the Jewish culture around the Holocaust, which is never to forget. And that whole point is that we don't sweep it under the rug. We don't, you know, try and simplify it or make general statements about it, but to really talk about the specifics and exactly what happened and to look at the gruesomeness and the horror of of what it was. And I think the moment that we start, you know, taking even these kinds of records and sweeping them away or breaking them or, Mm -hmm. or no, we shouldn't listen to that because it's offensive we should absolutely listen to it because it's offensive. That's my opinion. I, I think for that very reason, we should have the hair stand up on the back of our neck, even if we're kind of swaying to the tune a little bit. A lot of this certainly for me, and maybe this is a reach, comes up when, say, my son was younger and we're listening to the music of Michael Jackson or Eminem or artists who um, maybe led lifestyles or made certain choices that we just, uh, as parents, wouldn't want our children to even know about what the things that they were going on in their minds or the choices they made. But we listen to the music. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, that reminded me that when my kid was little, that we would read the Br'er Rabbit stories. Yeah. The Uncle Remus stories. And I loved them. They were hilarious mm. and they are great stories, but they're written, at least the copy we had written in pretty heavy dialect mm-hmm. and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I would, I would just translate them in my brain as we were going along oh, well, to say yeah. like, no, no, please, please don't throw me in the briar patch. Yeah. I couldn't do it in some sort of like that felt so awkward Yeah, <laughs> in this day and age. But I also really wanted to read those stories and share those stories. Right. Yeah, I mean, my son did, uh, I think it was freshman or sophomore year, uh, they did uh, Tom Sawyer, sort of a play of Tom Sawyer, you know, which was already kind of pared down. Um, And obviously there were so many things going on in that story um, in regards, you know, to race and slavery and and things like that. 
Um, and I believe it was like he came back, and I don't know if they even discussed it in the rehearsals. In fact, I don't think they did at all, but I don't know if he did a little research or hopped on YouTube or wherever he dug it up, but he said, yeah, Dad, this is a really, really racist story. And I said, do you you know feel uncomfortable doing it? He said, no, I think it's okay because... You know, we're doing it for the school. It's in kind of this context of just telling this, you know, classic tale. Um, but he knew in the back of his mind that there was something about that that, uh, you know, there just it was out of a time period that obviously was not today. Yeah. Um, and I think he struggled a little bit with sort of the, pardon the how many puns do I have in this phrase? Whitewashing of the <laughs> of what they were doing. But it's it's interesting. I you know I think bottom line is I it's 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 a little bit of a struggle for me. I think because I struggle with the fact that I do collect these things. I don't do it because of enjoyment. I don't do it because I revel in the no um, pain nor, of it. Nor, nor do I. Yeah. yeah, but it is more of really understanding the period, what was going on, um, and I I don't know. I'd rather have it in a collection than being thrown away or something. I, like I that. think there are pieces of art, you know, pieces of culture that are, are difficult, but such a great window into that time. Yeah. I was going to say, and you kind of brought this up earlier. I'm, I'm a little surprised. I don't see more even records or songs of this period that uh, revel in the stereotype of Jewish people, for example. That's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Most of my family actually at this time period was coming here because they were getting persecuted in, in Russia and Eastern Europe and all of that. Anyway, interesting topic yeah. and one that I don't have all the information for, but I love the fact that it makes me think about it. You know, the Ada Jones and this Henry Burr, it's interesting, these acoustic records to hear the singing style and, and the kind of the tones of their voice and and why I, I saw here that Henry Burr recorded something like 12,000 records. I believe it, yeah. Which is just unbelievable. But they had those voices that would just cut through, yeah. you know, that could scream into the horn or they yeah. wouldn't scream, but that, that they could sing into that horn and it would take. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, the Ada Jones sounded like that, the Henry Burr, even with his rolling R's. I mean, his name is Henry Burr. Yeah, there <laughs> for Henry Burr. I hear that a lot in these early records. I also wonder in the early days if people didn't connect with, say, her as the sound of what a singer should sound like, and him as what a male popular singer yeah. should sound like. Yeah. Because I think about in the the fifties into the sixties with Bollywood music, hmm. how you know all these Bollywood films are musicals and these epics that go on for two and a half, three hours. Yeah. But the minute the actor or the actress opens their mouth, it's only really like three to five singers yeah, for yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of films. That's what I've heard. Ashley yeah. Bosley, Lada Mangeshkar, Muhammad Rafi, because the moviegoers just wanted to hear the, I mean, they're great singers and I love those singers, but right. the moviegoers wanted to hear that sound. And I wonder in a way if, uh, you know, it was kind of twofold with these records. A, their voices cut through for the recording and two, people just loved hearing them.
Well, I'm really, actually, I'm really glad mm-hmm. that we had a chance to hear some acoustic records tonight. Yeah. Um, early recordings. That was half the half the selections. Absolutely, and even at randomly chosen as well, which you know is amazing. True. So I'm glad we're kind of seeing the the width of the kind of music we'll be playing on this podcast. I had a great time. I had a great time too, man. Thanks for doing this again, and we'll do it again next time, whenever that is. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to Stories from the Stylus. I'm Tim Peterson. And I'm Mark Harley-Wilson. Our show is edited by the magnificent Mr. Mark Harley-Wilson. And produced by the magnificent Tim Peterson and myself. We want to give a special thanks to our friends, family, and you, the listeners, for tuning in, and also to Steve Rasheed for some technical assistance. And if you'd like to hear more of our episodes, follow up with us, leave us a comment. Please follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or find us on our website, storiesfromthestylus.com. Enjoy what you've heard on this episode. We encourage you to go out and dig for the tunes yourself. A lot of our records were from very small shops as well as independent record stores. Show them your love and your support. Take some chances and it will pay off. Next time on Stories from the Stylus. There's a whole power struggle around the dishes. Sure. They're endless. Yeah. And relentless. Yeah, but Ma just can't wait to spend time in the kitchen with the dirty dishes. <laughs> do you think, yeah, do you think it was, uh, was it offensive? Next time on Stories from the Stylus. Next time on Stories from the Stylus. Next time on Stories from the Stylus.